0: Welcome to the Choosing Hope podcast. My name is Munira Premji and I am so glad you're here. This is the podcast where you will meet some extraordinary people who have faced adversity and have overcome it. And they're here to tell you how they did this and what they've learned. We will explore themes like hope, community, and self-care. Topics that I cover in my book, Choosing Hope, One Woman, Three Cancers. If you have any comments or suggestions or just want to say hello, please connect with me through Facebook, LinkedIn, or Instagram. My guest today is Sean Tegmeyer, who lives in the Chicago area. Welcome, Sean. Thank you. You know, I stayed up all last night reading your book, Running with Walt, and I couldn't put it down. You have had quite the journey, Sean, Um, quitting smoking, um, going back to school, losing weight, taking up running, becoming the serious runner, helping others to run, writing a book, battling cancer. (laughs) Yeah, It's quite the story. Um, So let's take it right from the beginning. You were 36 when you quit smoking and you say that it was the hardest thing you had ever done because you'd been a smoker for most of your life.
1: Yeah, it was. It was, um, yeah, I was 36 and I, all of a sudden one day, I just had this crazy, I just smelled myself out of the blue. It was so odd. And I remember kind of sniffing my sweater and feeling nauseated and thinking, oh my gosh, this is what I smell like. Um I I was horrified and then I realized I'd been smoking for more than half of my life at this point and um it took some doing but I I found hypnosis there was um so I went and I was hypnotized with my husband uh we both went to this seminar thing and um uh They gave us little tools to use, like snapping a rubber band on your hand when you felt like smoking and just constantly telling yourself, you're a very attractive, happy, healthy non-smoker. So I'd walk around chanting this mantra in my head all day long. Um, And it, it eventually, you know, it worked. It was, it was so hard though. Now that worked for me, but not for my husband. <laughs> mm. but um, So yeah, so I did, um, I was able to quit smoking through hypnosis.
0: That's amazing. Um, you know, uh, one thing that really struck me as I was listening to your story is Charles Duhigg in his book, uh, The Power of Habit. He talks about keystone habits. And he says, keystone habits are um, a habit that you you change or, or something that you uh, you do that creates a domino effect that changes every area of your life and your smoking totally changed every area of your life didn't it oh my god
1: yeah in tenfold yeah it's it's amazing it's absolutely amazing it did it's yeah from career to
0: everything mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah and one of the things that you write in your book is you say that if you want to quit something like smoking, and, and if you're gonna give it hundred and ten percent effort, you need to make it known. You you need to make yourself accountable to people that you do not want to disappoint. How important was that for you in your journey for quitting smoking? I
1: think it was I think it was almost detrimental. I mean, it was it had to be done. Because um, the two men that I worked for um, at the time, Bill and John, bless their little hearts, were, I would classify them as violent anti smokers. <laughs> you know, they hated smoking. They probably still do to this day. But um, telling them that I was quitting, and I knew that I would be so busted. If, um, if they caught me smoking or like John would quiz me and say, have you smoked Sean? And I, I knew I couldn't lie about it. You know, I just knew I couldn't lie about it. So like, I would think about, Oh, you know, maybe I'll have a cigarette. And I think, Oh gosh, John's going to ask me if I (laughs) smoke and I'm going to have to say yes. Um, my husband still smoking, you know, he wasn't going to be too much of a help. I hate to say that. And I think at the time my kids were younger and they were just so used to seeing me smoking that it really didn't, you know what I mean? Yes. They, um, they were just used to it. So it wasn't, you know, so I think that, yeah, when you, um, when you really want to do something, you need somebody that, you know, is going to be a strong, like supporter, I guess. Right. Say. Um, whether they may know it or not. I don't think that they realized at the time <laughs> that right. they were really the
0: ones that really helped me quit smoking. And have you applied this accountability principle in everything that you do when you make a commitment
1: um, I try to like, um, well, when I would, when I was going to school, when I went back to school and everything, um, I remember um, one person going, oh, you're doing that, you know, oh, how long is this going to last or whatever? And I thought, I'm going to show you, I'm going <laughs> to go get this degree, <laughs> you know what I mean? So, yeah, I, I think that you kind of do. Mm-hmm. And then... After you, I think after you do something a couple of times like that, um, I find now that I do it more for me, because I feel like, you know what, you know, you can do this, like with the running and stuff, you know, like the long distances and stuff. It's like, do I really think I could do an ultra marathon? Well, let's just give it a
0: whirl, you know, right? Yeah, I I love that attitude. You know, I just give it a whirl and doing it for me and just showing up, just showing up, right? Showing up. That's the first thing.
1: Just show up, get to the start line, whatever your start line is.
0: You know, I think that's probably the key message I picked up from your book. I think I think the commitment I made to myself when I finally went to bed at three in the morning, after finishing your book, was just show up. Yeah, yeah. That's the biggest thing. So, um, quitting smoking had unintended consequences for you. It did because
1: as I was as I quit and successfully quit, I um, was constantly, you know, thinking my little mantra. I'm a very attractive, happy, healthy, non-smoker. And I should have added, I'm a very attractive, rapidly gaining weight, happy, healthy, non-smoker. Because in my head, I was a non-smoker, so I was healthy. Um, But I think with the whole mouth fixation, the oral fixation, I was eating more. Um, and when I smoked, I, I really didn't eat a whole lot. And I was rather thin at the time, but not a healthy thin, you know what I right. mean? Yeah. Um, what do they call it? Skinny fat, you know, no muscle, no, just kind of thin, um, um, And I was just eating, I had no portion control whatsoever. And I do admit, I still do suffer from that today. Put a bag of cookies in front of me, and it's all over. But um, I would eat like, you know, oh, pretzels, they're good for me. Oh, maybe not the whole bag of pretzels, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, And just cookies in general are a real bad downfall for me.
0: Right, so you know (laughs) your kids
1: Oh, my gosh, you know, they're crazy. So I was gaining weight without really acknowledging it. You know, I I was like, no, 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 I'm not doing it. You know, they're cutting clothes smaller these days. The scale is wrong. (laughs) Um, The camera adds 10 pounds. Oh, these days, I think it's adding 20, you know. And then um, I saw a picture. I still remember that. I was making a collage for my son's soccer team. Um, and I was weeding through all these pictures and I saw this picture of a woman from the back and I thought, oh, that's the car wash we were just at last week. Oh, that I I was the adult in charge of that. And, um, I think that's my t-shirt and my shorts and my hair, but that can't possibly be me. And it dawned on me that it was. And I like when I realized I smelled so bad as an ashtray, I realized that I was just I had gained like 40 plus pounds over three over like a three year time period.
0: It is strange, isn't it? How you had gained all that weight and didn't even realize it until you saw yourself in this picture that you couldn't recognize. Yeah. And so that's when you joined Weight Watchers. Yeah. learned about 20 chews per bite. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> tell, us, tell us about your experience with Weight Watchers. Um, you know,
1: Weight Watchers, it's, it's around and periodically I'll hop on the program. Um, I honestly believe that that is the best weight loss program out there. Um, because it really teaches you how your lifestyle, how you can go to the grocery store. It's not like, well, you have to eat our foods and this and that, and it incorporates, you know, activity in there and this and that. So I'm, I'm a huge fan of Weight Watchers. Um, and I, yeah, I, I really enjoy going to the meetings. I mean, at first it's horrifying, you know, um, you know, climbing up on that scale, you're like, Oh gosh, here we go. You know, right. but, um, I I just really enjoyed it and there were times when I think oh I'm not going to go you know, I know I ate way too much pizza and cookies this week. And, and I understand when people, um, you know, they'll start something and they're doing really good for a month or so. And then they, you know, they have, you know, a bad week or something. And they're like, oh my gosh, okay, well, that's it. It's all over. I'm done. This isn't working for me. And I remember I skipped like two weeks in a row because it was December, um, like with, Christmas parties, and both of my boys have birthdays in December. And I was like, oh, yeah, I'm going to go and I'm going to, you know, the scale's going to be back up again. And I just had to tell myself, you know, after two weeks of just being like a little glutton, I I said, you have to go just face the music. (laughs) You have done this to yourself. You're just going to go and get back on that scale. And you're not nobody else is going to care except for you. You know, nobody's going to yell at me or kick me out of the club or anything. (laughs) They're just going to go, okay, you're up, you know, or whatever. Um, So I think that that's really important for people to know that just because you feel like you failed, because I felt like I failed. I'm like, oh, my gosh, I've totally failed Weight Watchers. I'm like, no, you didn't fail Weight Watchers. You just took a little reprieve. You had a little eating breakdown. And just get back up there, just get back to that starting line, you know, um, and show up. Yeah, show up, see what damage you've done to yourself and go from there and be kind to yourself and be kind to yourself. It's like, you know what? It's not a big deal. It's the holidays. You had two birthdays in here. You had Christmas cookies all over the place. Right. Um you know give yourself a little bit of forgiveness
0: yeah just don't give up
1: just don't give up don't go okay well I guess I'll just continue to eat cookies till I'm blue in the
0: face yeah <laughs> so um did you end up losing the weight that you had uh, put on I did I did I lost it
1: and um it took about five six seven eight nine about eight or nine months I would say to lose it um And uh, once I kind of got going, it was a little bit easier. You know, I mean, it became more because you're in more of a, you know, a pattern or, you know, schedule for eating or whatever, you know, you kind of know what's good for you and what's not good for you. And
0: yeah, another thing that I'm picking up from what you're saying, Sean, is the importance of uh, successes along the way, because it. It's a lot easier for you to to want to stick with the goal when there are successes, but but and, and you need to give yourself time to get those successes. The eight or nine months, right? To the weight or right?
1: Yeah, time and, to quit
0: smoking. Yeah,
1: yeah, it, yeah. Everything, everything, and I think in today's world, everybody—not um, everybody, but I know a lot of people—are um, very much interested in instant gratification. Mhm. You know, um like after I lost after I lost my weight and you know started exercising and stuff, a lot of the people that I worked with cuz I wasn't training or anything at that time. I was, you know, in my little cube job. And a lot of the girls were like, "Oh, you know, how do you do this?" you know, and I said, "Well, you know, diet, you know, you know, just what you're eating and stuff." And yeah, some of them would try it and they, you know, do like two or three weeks. And they're like, I only lost like three pounds. And I'm like, well, hey, that's great. And they hop on these one things where they would go and get these shots and they wouldn't be eating all day, you know, because <laughs> they just wanted something, you know, well, I want to lose 10 pounds a week. And I'm like, oh, that's not going to happen very well. Or if you do, if you do run into one of those programs, which I mean, they are out there, it's not going to. Day. it's not sustainable it's not sustainable you can't do that you know taking these pills and whatnot
0: yeah so you've quit smoking and you are feeling starting to feel really great about yourself and you're feeling invincible and so mm-hmm. you decide to go back to school
1: <laughs> yeah
0: yeah and you so could,
1: yeah so like while I was doing that I thought oh I think I could go to school so I did. And actually, like after I quit smoking, um, before the weight gain, I went back to school and um, got um, my, ended up, I got my associate's degree in computer science. Well, during that time, um, I, I, I'm not good with computers. (laughs) And I remember taking a programming class. And I remember just sitting in front of the computer going, I, I don't know, and just eating peanut M&Ms like there was no tomorrow, you know. So that was um, like, it was kind of like going to school and then realizing all this and joining Weight Watchers all at the same time for that first um, degree that I received. And after that, um, like right around that same time is when um, – I met my friend Walt, who had started running. Now, um, Walt's oldest son and my oldest son were friends. They were in fifth grade at the time. They're 32 now, so it's been a while. But we were on the same travel soccer team. And when families are on travel teams, anybody that has been on travel teams... You spend, you know, you spend every single weekend with these different families, and they become your, like, your extended family, and Walt had started running and would talk about running, like, nonstop, and his wife, Laura, was, she's like, you know, I'm done listening to this, and so I would just kind of listen. And I'd be like, mm-hmm, that's great. huh? Uh-huh. That's nice. And I I was just too polite to, to say I'm not the least bit interested. But um, so I had been kind of doing a little bit of walking. That was like my very first type of exercise with one of the other soccer moms that lived in the neighborhood. We would walk early in the morning. And one day after we, you know, she went her way and I went mine, I thought, I, I think I'm going to try to run home it was a whole block and a half. I made about a half a block about collapsed in somebody's front yard, gasping desperately for breath. And I thought this is the stupidest thing I've ever done in my life. And uh, the next day, I tried it again. And I just kept doing it. Um, Under the cloak of darkness, of course, I didn't want anybody to see me. (laughs) (laughs) But So I really, I I found that I really enjoyed running at that Mm -hmm. point.
0: Mm -hmm. You know, um, this brings back some memories for me. Uh, When I was going to university, I had a friend, um, Shamim, who was a runner. And I thought, you know what, maybe I can give this a try. And I tried it once. Sean, I tried it once. And like you, I was gasping. This is not for me. There are. Runners, and then there are non-runners, and I'm a non-runner. And you know, I never ever ran again. But after reading your book, I'm feeling so inspired that I feel like I just want to run like ten minutes. That's all I want to do. I I don't want to do what you've done, and we'll we'll get into that in a moment. But I, uh, what is it about you that made you want to continue running the next day, and the day after, and the day after? even though it was painful? You know,
1: that is such a great question. And I I honestly don't know. I don't know why I did that. I think like maybe after I picked myself up and <laughs> slogged my way home, um, I kind of thought, maybe, maybe I kind of thought, well, maybe that felt kind of good. You know what I mean? Like, you know, your heart rate's going and I felt like I was getting maybe a little bit more than I was from the walking. And um, I don't know, I just kind of kept going with it. So I was starting to read articles about it. You know, I'd look up articles and think the breathing was the hardest part, I think. You know, getting the breathing done. And that's what I because I work with a lot of new runners. And I always, they're like, I can't breathe. I can't breathe. And I'm like, I know that comes. That comes. It's like that was the hardest thing. Mm-hmm. The breathing. And I remember one day I was running along, you know, all by myself. And I thought, oh my gosh, I'm I'm not thinking about my breathing. Cause like the whole time I'd be running, I'd be thinking about my breathing. I'm like <laughs> And then one day I thought, oh my gosh, I'm not thinking
0: about my breathing. So yeah. again, it's about showing up, and it's about consistency, and yeah. doing it until it becomes second nature. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So Walt was instrumental in planting the seeds for your running, and the book that you've written is yeah. uh, is called um, Running with Walt. Yeah. So then he suggested at one point that you run a 5k. And you're like, what's a 5k? What if I don't make it? What if I don't finish? Um, So tell us about that. Oh, it was funny. I, um,
1: I thought, okay, I'll sign up for a 5k. And this was before everything was online and everything and you know, registration forms were in, you know, different places you'd find them like in, you know, sports stores or whatever. And um, so I found one. I didn't want to run in Crystal Lake, where I live, because heaven forbid, somebody might see me, (laughs) you know, and I think, what if I don't make it? Oh, no. So I chose a race that was in a, a town, a town over in Algonquin. And I thought, okay, okay, this, this will work. So um, I told my husband, I said, okay, I'm going to do this 5k. And I was really nervous. And this is one thing I didn't really want to tell anybody about, you know, because I thought, well, my husband knows. And that's, 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 that's That's enough. And if I don't make the 5k, it's not like I'm going to quit running. You know what I mean? Just nobody will know that I ran a 5k or tried to. So I, um, I really laugh now because I put on, you know, it was cold. So I put on, you know, those long cotton tube socks. Remember with the stripes on the top? I put a pair of those on. And then I had a pair of sweatpants on, regular sweatpants. And then I had, I don't, like three layers of top clothes, all, all just sheer cotton, you know. And then a big jacket. And then I had a big fluffy hat on and big fluffy mittens, you know. And I got there, you know, we were driving there and I remember saying to my husband, and I think I put this in the book too. Yeah, I think I did. Um, We're driving there and I think my boys were in the back seat and um, I was so nervous. And I said, um, what, what if I, what if I don't make it, what's going to happen? and my husband he he was smoking of course he just he just blows a puff of smoke out the window and looks at me and goes so you walk <laughs> and i went you can walk during these things
0: you know what i mean i seriously
1: did not know how they operated i was like you can walk and he's like well i would You could, you know, so sure enough, we got there and then you get your T-shirt, your long sleeve T-shirt, which, of course, I had to put on top of all the other clothes I had on. And, you know, started at the starting line and it was an out and back where we ran to a certain point and then turned around and came back. And. Yeah, I, I was just going along and I, you know, I made it. I remember walking up, like there was a hill at the end. And I remember like going up the hill, and I'm thinking, I'm not gonna make it, I'm not gonna make it. And this woman came up behind me. And she's like, Come on, come on, we got this, we got this. And I'm like, Okay, okay. (laughs) (laughs) And yeah, I, I ended up finishing. And it was just so, so exciting. It was just amazing. And I'm like, Okay, and then you get all these little treats in the goodie bag. You know, you got your T-shirt and you've got like little chapsticks and all kinds of little goodies. So I'm like, okay, I need to do this
0: again, you know? Yeah. But yeah. what did you learn about yourself in that moment when you crossed the finish line? You know, you just want to cry because you're
1: just, it's just overwhelming. It's like, I did this. I actually did this. the feeling is just so you're just so proud of yourself. Um, Now, like, um, when we do half marathons, especially because of, you know, the multiple myeloma and everything, I don't I can't run quite like I used to. But when I do run, um, and we finish races, I, I get really choked up again. And I'm just, all I can say is, Thank you. Thank you for letting me cross another finish line.
0: And you've written in your book that when you cross the finish line, for you, it's never about winning. No. It's never about winning. It's just about crossing the finish line. That's it. It
1: doesn't matter how long it takes. You don't have to be like the fastest person. Um, just, just, just the sense of completion.
0: Yeah. And I think, you know, as I reflect back um, what you're saying, I, I think that that's what stopped me very much in my life. I always wanted to be the best. And when I couldn't be the best, I would give up. And, you know, um, I, I, I love um, the perspective that you're taking, which is just cross the finish line. It's your personal best. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And even if like, um, cause I know I've run into people And, and I mean, I actually did that once um, my third marathon um, out in Ohio turned into an absolute disaster um, for the whole group of us, actually a whole bunch of us went and I had in my mind, my friend Pam and I had in our mind a time we wanted to have the race done. You know, we wanted to complete the race in this amount of time and we didn't. And I, it was, it was devastating. I was like, what is the point of this, you know? And then I thought, oh, get over yourself, you
0: know? Mm -hmm.
1: It's kind of like, okay, so the odds were stacked against you, you know? Um, the weather was bad. There were more hills than we expected. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was raining. We didn't eat the proper food the night before. Um, not to make up excuses, but just thinking, you know, okay, all of this played into a factor. And the thing is, is that even with all of this, looking for a port-a-potty every, <laughs> in between every porta a potty you still finish the race. And that's what counted is that it's like, oh, yeah, okay, I did finish, I didn't get the time I wanted. But I don't think anybody else really cares. Maybe I did at the time. But now I'm like, eh, just finish, just finish.
0: Great lesson. Yeah. Yeah. So after that first 5k, you did a 10k. And I am just so impressed because between 2005 and mm-hmm. 2014, you crossed that finish line 34 times, yeah. running 26.2 miles or longer. Yeah. So that is 16 marathons. Yeah. 18 ultras and an yeah. ultra is anything longer than 26.2 miles. What was the longest that you ever ran? 50. Wow. How, 50. how long would something like that take you? It took me 11 hours. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I, I can't even imagine, you know, not being a runner, not being athletic, but I'm so in awe of you. <laughs> oh my gosh, you are so kind. You are so kind. How has running changed your life? Um.
1: Well... When I first started running and, you know, the cat was out of the bag. And as soon as people realize that you're running, people that have been running long, you know, more seasoned runners love giving information, you know, um, oh, you should definitely do this. And, you know, like one person was like, oh, yeah, I have like milk and cereal before ever you run. And then another person would say, oh, I don't have any dairy before you run, you know. So I was getting really conflicting information. And I thought, oh, you know, and then reading different things. And I thought, maybe I'll maybe I'll just see what um, what kind of classes are at the college to help me. So I found exercise science <clears throat> one at um, our local community college mchenry county college and i enrolled in that class along with another class that you had to take in order to take exercise science you know one of those prerequisites and um i found i, found I just loved the class i loved the instructor and um you know so i took the next class after that exercise science too and um you know, they, it was a cert, a certificate program, which I didn't really realize when I had signed up for it, where you take like, you know, I don't know, 15 or so classes, whatever it was, um, in order to get the fitness certificate, which I really didn't know about or have any interest in. Um, but you know, the instructors would say, okay, who's here to be a personal trainer? And um, I think I was the only one not raising their hand, because I'm like, I'm a little old to be a personal trainer and who's going to listen to an old mom, you know what I mean? <laughs> um so anyway, I kept I kept just taking the classes and going along with all these people and it was um as I got closer toward the end there, I thought I I think I might be able to be a personal trainer you know, not not full time, maybe just like a little bit on the side here and there, maybe I could train a couple people here and there. And then um, I had to do an internship program, which I was able to set up with um, my friend Pam, who owns the local the running depot here in Crystal Lake, which is a specialty shoe store. And they have running groups and stuff like that. And she sponsors a lot of the races, you know, um, all that stuff. And so she and I and then my classmate, Alicia, who's run like she's run most of our, we've run most of our ultras together. Um, we, uh, Alicia and I created a I can run a half marathon program. And. Um, And that was our internship. So we ran that through the summer, we had eight ladies that joined the program. And um, all summer, we ran with them, sent them emails, you know, had little seminars for them on eating and yoga and stretching and strength training. And that pretty much wrapped up the class. Then I ended up working for PAM, the half marathon program went so well. And then I went and I studied for and I got my national certification through the National Academy of Sports Medicine, where I'm certified through. And I thought, Oh, maybe, okay, I'm going to try to work part time in a gym. So I got a job, you know, at one of the um, local gyms. And I'm still actually... Oh,
0: before, before you talk about that, tell the story of uh, uh, your friend who gave you the intention stone. Oh, yeah. Nikki, yeah.
1: She, um, she was in one of our half marathon programs. So we were walking and talking and I was telling her, I said, I don't know if I can do this or not, you know. I don't know if I'm ready. I don't know. And then, um, so afterwards, like after the marathon and we all got home, she had made me, um, she had gotten a rock, a little stone and she had painted it and um, she had wrote full-time personal trainer on it. And I said, okay, what, what do I do with this? And she said, you just keep it close to you. You just keep it. And when you go in and you're doing your interviews and stuff like that, she goes, you just keep it in your pocket and hold on to it and just keep Mm -hmm. thinking, full-time personal trainer, full-time personal trainer. This is my intent. This is my intention is to be a full-time personal trainer. And it worked.
0: And I still have that stone. That's amazing. So what is it about being a personal trainer that really calls to you?
1: I just love it. Um, I love working with people. I love seeing um, just, you know, them reach their goals. Um, And most of my clients I've been working with for years. And it's like, it's like they're good friends now, you know, and you catch up. And a lot of them are like, you're kind of like a therapist too. You know, I tell mm-hmm. you that I don't tell anybody else, which is it's, it's just, it's
0: just, I just thoroughly enjoy it. It's like I, a trusted relationship, a privileged relationship, but there's yes. something about helping others that brings you a lot of joy. Yes, it does. It really does.
1: Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't know what it is. Um, and I don't know if everybody has that. But I remember one time I was running a marathon. I was running the Twin Cities Marathon and um, I had really trained hard for it. Um, and I, I thought I'm because I rarely run by myself. And I thought, I'm going to I'm just going to run this by myself and see what I can do. And I got to the halfway mark and I was like, ah, this is so awesome. And at around I think mile 20, maybe I started feeling really sick, like I was gonna throw up or something. And I thought, Oh, man, these next six miles are going to be so hard. And I remember just kind of running along going, I wish I had my friends with me right now. But I'm running by myself. And I ran across a woman who was kind of in the same boat I was, I'll say she was just kind of dragging herself along. But she she was crying. And I'm like, Okay, what's the matter? And she's like, this is so hard. I don't like it. And I'm like, Okay, we're gonna do this. Because I think we had like three miles left at that point, you know, I had gotten through three miles. And so she and I kind of stuck together. And it was so funny, like me, just trying to convince her that we could do this. I kind of forgot about throwing up because i was like oh i have to help this person you know mm. so we got across the finish line together and you know she turned and she's like oh my gosh thank you so much you really helped me and i'm like that's really great but i gotta go throw up
0: now <laughs> you know? wow but again the, the value of friendships and connections
1: yeah really yeah people
0: you don't know yeah um sean how mm-hmm. did you
1: learn you had cancer Oh my gosh, it was a horrible mistake. <laughs> I mean, it was, um, you know, like I said, I'd run ultra marathons. I mean, and none of them a top-notch speed, of course. So it's not like I'm fast or anything. But um, all of a sudden, I I couldn't breathe well, you know. Um, like I I was running. I remember I was running and I thought... I can't breathe. What's the deal? So that kind of kept happening. And I thought, oh, I must have um, some kind of allergy or something, you know. So I'd gone to the doctor and they gave me a little puffer thing. And that didn't really help. And I was really I thought, okay, I really need to try to increase my cardio. And I would I was taking high intensity classes, um, which I had been taking so it wasn't but they were getting worse, like I'd have to stop. And one of the instructors, she was a friend of mine, and she'd be like, what is going on? And I'm like, I, I don't know, you know, I just feel like I'm having a heart attack right now. Um, so I just couldn't run. Um, so I had kind of like, all right, I guess I'm not running. Um, So when you are running and training for marathons and stuff, you tend not to donate blood. Um, And since I wasn't running, I got a email that said, Oh, we're doing blood drive. And I thought, Oh, well, at least I can go donate blood, you know. So I went to go donate blood. And um, they, you know, do the little finger prick. And they said, Oh, yeah, your iron is low. And I'm like, Okay, And she goes, well, let's run this again. I said, okay. So she went and brought somebody else and they did it again. And they go, no, you're, yeah, no, it's low. And so then I thought, okay, they'll probably tell me to eat steak or something, you know, and um, a nurse came over and they got out a binder. And I'm like, why are they getting out a binder? (laughs) This is kind of frightening. And they said, Okay, well, your your iron hemoglobin is like at a seven. And I said, Okay, that didn't mean anything to me whatsoever. And they took a courtesy tube and brought it to their lab and then called me the next day and said, Yeah, you have really low you need to go see your doctor. And I said, Okay. So I went. Um, I called, and I knew I had low iron. So of course, I ran to the store to buy the highest potency iron pills I could get, and I went and saw my doctor. And she had my results, and then she ran some more, and she said, "You know, um, if your vitals weren't as good as they are, I would be sending you for a blood transfusion." And I went, "What? Oh my yeah. god!" I said, "Oh my gosh." So she was running more tests and I showed her my iron pills and that I had got from the health food store. And she just kind of laughed and goes, those aren't going to do anything for you. So she gave me a prescription iron pill um, because she said either you're, she goes, you could be losing blood. Like they thought maybe I had an ulcer or something, which is, I guess, really fixed. And so she said, well, I'm going to run some more tests and I'll give you a call. I said, okay. So then she called me and she said, yeah, no, you're not losing blood. And I said, okay, so what are we doing? And she said, well, I'm going to send you to a hematologist because we're beyond my scope of practice now. And I said, okay. So she gave me a name and a phone number of somebody and um, I called them and, um, I almost fell off my chair when they said North Shore Oncology, because I thought, I don't need an oncologist, I need a hematologist, you know, and um, the doctor that it was like the main guy in the practice, he was not available for like, a couple of weeks, I guess. And she said, so... The gal said, this was either on a Monday or a Tuesday when I was making the appointment. And she said, Well, you're going to see um, Dr. Chanduri on Thursday at two o'clock or whatever. And I, you know, your first thought is, Well, I don't want to see that guy. I want to see the guy I'm supposed to see, you know. And so my husband and I went and um, yeah he, he, uh, I love the guy. He's still my oncologist. I see him all the time. We're like buddies now. Um, but when he told me that it was literally shocking. So I found out through not being able to breathe and having a uh, being anemic, basically not realizing it.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it was multiple myeloma. And, yep. We were diagnosed about five years ago actually five years ago yesterday yes exactly and uh, i I thought it was so great in your book where you talk about how now uh, when you run because you've continued to run and walk mm-hmm. that when you cross the finish line and you get a medal you give yep. it to your doctor yep yep I do I do and, and we they, um your yep. goal is to give him one medal a year. Yes, yes. And the the support from your community when they found out you had myeloma was overwhelming, wasn't it? Oh my gosh, I
1: I literally couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it. Um, my friend, the one that owns the store, Pam. Um, and my, another good friend of mine, um, Diane, who Diane, I met through, she joined one of the half marathon programs and, um, she's like one of my best friends. The two of them, um, put together a 5k for, um, for multiple myeloma. And, you know, they said either you can, you know, donate to the family or you can donate to the foundation, you know? And
0: I, I, the whole courtyard was filled with people. Just yeah. with runners from your old programs, former co-workers, current co-workers, training clients, classmates from high school. Everybody showed up. You had an army behind you.
1: It, it, was, it was absolutely incredible. Absolutely. Yeah. It was, yeah. You
0: can see you're tearing up. Yeah. It uh-huh. was, yeah. How are you doing today, Sean? Um, how are you doing today? And what are you hopeful for?
1: I, I am feeling good these days. Um, I Like um, we discussed um, a little bit ago, um, I think before we were taping, I, I am still in treatment, um, which I will, I guess, be in for the rest of my life, which is fine. Um, every 28 days, I go and I have a drip um, of this stuff called Dara something or another. And then I'm on a chemo drug, um, polymist 21 days on seven days off. Um, I mean, I feel, I feel good. I feel fine. Um, you know, I'm still training people. Um, and I, I'm part of a running group. Um, it's, Um, the Ornery Mule Racing, um, which is, it's out of Crystal Lake here, but Michelle Hartwig, she's the founder of it. It's literally all throughout the United States. Um, She creates races and everything. And it's funny, um, my, she's been doing, we've been doing a lot of virtual stuff, you know, and um, my friend, Pam, and I just decided yesterday, i I'm hoping, well, to stay running and to keep crossing finish lines, but I'm going to attempt another 50 miler in October. Goodness, my goodness, Sean. We're going to, we're going to, I asked her yesterday, I'm like, what do you think about doing a 50 miler? And she's like, she goes, well, it is on my bucket list. And I said, yeah. So she texted me last night. She goes, all right, I'm in. We're, we're going to do this. We're going to do this.
0: You amaze me. So. You inspire me. You motivate me, Sean. Um, if I can make an observation, cancer seems to be a very, very tiny part of your life.
1: It is. It is. I, I, um, I just try to make it that way because mm-hmm. I know when I was first diagnosed, first of all, I was very open about it, you know, because um, like in my, in my life, Um, like I'm at a health club where I had like 40 or 50 clients and then I had my training coworkers and then all the people that work in the building, you know, the locker room attendants and the front desk people and the membership people and all that. And the one thing that I, that just drives me crazy is like, if somebody has, you know, something where they suddenly disappear, um, you know, it's like, oh, we can't talk about that Don't talk about that. I wanted everybody um, just to be in the know, not to say it's all about me, but I didn't want people to speculate um, because I said, number one, I don't know how I'm going to handle the medication, you know, and number two, I knew eventually, as you know, you disappear for a couple of months and come back bald, (laughs) you know. (laughs) <laughs> so I didn't want people going, Hey, what, wh- where is she? Oh my God, she's back and she's bald. So I just wanted to let everybody know, okay, I have this thing called multiple myeloma. I'm going to be doing these chemo treatments until it's time for me to go get my stem cell transplant. And then I'll be gone for a while and I'm going to come back and I'm going to be bald and so on. Um. So when people like, when the word got out, you know, people were coming up to me going, oh my God, you have cancer. And I'm like, yeah, I know. I know. Thank you. And they're like, well, should you even be here? And I said, right. Yeah, well, as opposed to where should I be? You know, well, maybe you should be at home resting. And I'm like, no, cause then I'm just going to sit on the couch and think, oh my God, I have cancer. So I, uh, my goal was to work up until the day I went to the hospital mm. and my last day at work was May 31st. And I went to the hospital June 1st.
0: Incredible. I so resonate with everything that you're saying and the reactions from folks. Um, good on you. Good on you for. um. Uh, for making the the decision on on how you were going to tell people and how you were going to manage through this process. Mm -hmm. So you're currently working on your second book, Running for Chanduri. Yes. And uh, you end your first book by saying, there's always something good out there for you. You just need to find it. And Sean, through your life, your actions, the choices you've made, um, you, you live that. You live that that there is always good out there and we need to look for it. Thank you for being on the show today and for being a magnificent you. I
1: can't thank you enough for inviting me and reading my, reading my book.
0: <laughs> um, actually, where can people find your book?
1: Oh, okay. They can find it on Amazon. Mm-hmm. Okay. Or my website, which is my name, Sean Tagmeyer
0: dot com. Mm-hmm.
1: Yep. and I will
0: be sure to put that information in the in the show notes oh thank you thank you again and I wish you so much luck in your uh, in your lofty goal to to do another 50 that's incredible that's that
1: yeah do the 50 miles and finish my second book those are my goals
0: for this year okay you got it I know you got it
1: Oh, it, you know, it has been such a pleasure. It has been such a pleasure chatting with you.
0: Take good care.
1: Oh my gosh, you do the same. And I'll be following you on Facebook. I have been.
0: (laughs) If you have enjoyed today's show, click the subscribe button so you don't miss an episode. Share the podcast with others. And if you want to help this podcast grow, please rate and review it on Apple Podcasts. So more listeners tune into it it really helps in the meantime whatever you're doing wherever you are choose hope how will you choose hope today